Well, hello, folks, and a welcome to We the Peeps. That's right. You heard me right. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Skirt, huh? Skirt. Huh? What? Huh? What? It's We the Peeps. It's the American soccer podcast in which you are going to get to know everything, everything, everything that you need to know about the U.S. men's national soccer team. I am Clayton. I'm a musician. I'm Ty. I manage a web design company. And we love the Nets. Whatever the name of the show is. It's We the People. It's We the People. It's We the People. It's We the People. New name, same show. You know it. You love it. Welcome, folks, to We the Peeps. Uh, yada it is, yada to mean. Hey, uh, if you enjoy the show, please shoot us a five-star review. You know we love that so much, and you might find your review read on the fucking sh- show. Uh, uh, not to mention, another quick note, um, if you would like to get to know us on a personal level, please go ahead and feel free to reach out to us at WTPpod on Twitter. Uh, that's always a good time. Yeah, hang out. If you really want to get to know us, you can just show up at our houses. Please don't do that. My address is... <laughs> so, there was not a game. There is nothing to review nor to preview. I would be preview. just terrified of Giassi Zardes showing up with a hatchet. We're so sorry, Giassi. <laughs> sorry, Giassi. Bobby Wood and Giassi Zardes. Just the nicest guy. Yeah. Oh, You're a man. great dude with great hair. Great uh, please don't come to our house. Uh, we're sorry for everything we said. There was no show. Uh, there was, there is a show, even though there was no game. Uh, no and the game. reason for that is that there news. is big, big, big news. We got a coach. Uh, n- not only do we have a coach, we've also got a quick little fishy report to dive into. Um, so just a few things we'd, we'd love to touch on real quick with you. All our hopes and dreams are happening. It's, it's all coming together. We, we were privileged this time, Clayton, because... You, among all the entire U.S. soccer fan base, you were one of the the first people to lay eyes on Greg Berhalter as U.S. men's national team coach. The new Greg Berhalter. The the new Greg Berhalter. Because you attended the U.S. soccer Q&A here in New York City in a nondescript office building somewhere in Chelsea. (laughs) And I am, I, I am so eager to, to get your, your, your field report, your trip report on what it was like to, to, you know, ask questions, to hang out with fans, what the vibe was, tell, tell us all about it. I, I shall, I shall. I have a qu- couple quick anecdotes I just have to share with you from my in-person experience, my first time really getting to come into contact with some of these U.S. legends who I have been following and, and falling in love with over the so past dope. four years. So dope. Keep in mind, folks, as you're listening to this, that if you enjoy uh, this type of thing, we have what we call the Peeps coming up. It's our yearly award show in which we uh, nominate, Ty will nominate people to win Peep Awards. It's a real award that we made up. And I will judge who gets to take home the award at the end of the day. So it's just a yearly celebration. We kind of look back over everything that's happened. and, And by the way, that includes... Uh, this year's peeps will include nominations from Le Coupe du Monde, and so don't miss it. Absolutely, and we have some late-breaking changes. You know, whatever whatever nominations I had planned before, we've got this whole 
Greg Gerhalter thing going on. He's this the Greggest. He's the Burhalter. Let's do this. <laughs> He's thing. the Greggest. He's the absolute Greggest. Uh, so my favorite anecdote from my evening with the U.S. fans. By the way, thank you. First and foremost to the U.S. Soccer Federation for putting this together. American Outlaws, hooking it up. Thank you, American Outlaws, for uh, for feeding me and my new friends, Daniel, um, who uh, who you will hear in an audio clip. He's he's a fan just like you and I and you, you and you, Ty, and I. And uh, he, he was there. We ate tiny grilled cheeses, dipped them uh, into some tomato sauce. They were delicious. There was a tofu that- thing that I passed on, but I'm sure it was good. And uh, we drank some Stellas together, all all on the house. Sounds so it was like fantastic. It was a, it was great. It was a wonderful thing. And, oh. and so first and foremost, thank you to the Federation for making that happen and inviting us. My favorite anecdote from the evening uh, was getting an opportunity to the the floor kind of opened up after after the whole event had had taken place and the floor was opened up for fans to ask questions. I was waiting for this all night, as were many other people. And they, they, you know, people asked some great questions. Attention, please. It has come to our knowledge that an oversight has been committed. We would like to take just a moment to thank those of you who submitted fantastic questions via Twitter at WTPPod. Due to a technological and timing-like snafu, Clayton was unable to ask your questions. Once again, many, many thanks. I took a little bit of a different approach. I didn't ask what was going on on the field or anything about the team or anything about Greg Berhalter's Twitter uh, storm, you know, how he's facing the Twitter hatred or whatever. Those were all awesome questions. I just wanted to know what is the weirdest thing that ever happened to you, Greg Berhalter, on a soccer field? Um, a fantastic question. That's the kind of that's what I go for. And his answer was fucking sweet. So it turns out Greg Berhalter, he's from New Jersey, uh, which he made very clear. He said, I'm from New Jersey, so I was wearing my gold chain. How do, how do, you, know, how do you know if someone's from New Jersey? <laughs> They're wearing a gold chain on the field. No, 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 no. How, how do you know? How do you know? Oh, how do you actually know? Probably yeah. a driver's license, not a bad approach. Don't worry. They'll tell you. <laughs> he told me twice. I say that as a proud New Jersey. Yeah, he told me twice in a, in a short span of time. I'm from New Jersey, so I was wearing my gold chain on the field. Because I'm from New Jersey, he gets tackled, heavy tackle, goes down. The guy swipes his gold chain off of his <laughs> neck and puts it in his sock. Uh, wow. Excellent. Adam Richmond, by the That's way. cold. From, <laughs> cold-hearted. Adam Richmond from Man vs. Food, who apparently is a big footy head, was hosting this event. Um, yeah. And he he made it. He had a sweet quip afterwards. He said, "Can you get a yellow card for mugging on the field?" Uh, loved it. Thank you for hosting, Adam Richmond. Great job. That's a yellow. <laughs> be like ten reds. <laughs> well, new fans often say the difference between a yellow and a red is confusing. So this might be yeah, one of those. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think it's if I think if it's a felony, then uh, you're definitely in red territory. <laughs> 
That's a misdemeanor. Sorry. Unless he's balling. Unless that chain is out of control. (laughs) It depends on how nice the chain was. It depends on the chain. It's a pretty nice chain, I'm sure. The man's got some style. Oh, man. He's got some swag. Does not surprise me. And I I do love that we have a U.S. men's national team coach who has been literally robbed on a field. It's awesome. That that prepares us for a lot of uh, tough situations down the line. Some of these CONCACAF referees, if you know what I'm saying. Yep, yep. You got to you got to know how to handle that. And I you know, Greg showed in that moment that he might be able to handle that. You'll hear as well. I asked the same question to Will Trappington, uh my elevator William mate. William Trappington. Yep. Yep, he was there. You uh, were he, elevator mates? We were elevator mates. Me, Will, and uh Edward, Edward Stewart. Uh, and Greg Berhalter yeah. all together in an elevator with a few other people who I, who I tried to pretend weren't there. Berhaltering. <laughs> all of you, all of you fine folks in an, in one elevator. Yeah, it was quite were an they, elevator. Were they nervous to talk to you? <laughs> they, I think they were. <laughs> I think they were like, wow, he's taller in person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which? <laughs> oh, man. I've heard, I, I recognize that voice. Is that, yeah. is that Clayton? <laughs> it's a me. And, uh, you know, Will, very sweet guy, really awesome dude, was very welcoming. I did not uh, I did not metaphorically, uh, with a tape recorder, assault him in the elevator. I waited until the end of the event. I stood in that elevator quiet as a, as a bird. I was, I was nervous in that moment. I was shocked to be in that elevator. But after a couple hours and a couple Stellas. As, as anybody would be if you just, you know, you're just living your life and then all of a sudden you're riding the elevator you're you're stuck in a box with the u.s soccer glitterati i know i could not believe it like william trappington head coach trappington (laughs) yeah head bench coach william trappington um i i after a couple stellas felt more comfortable and he was very kind enough to give me some some mic time and answered the same question so stay tuned at the end of the show if you'd like to hear will's answer to what what is the strangest thing that has ever happened to you on a soccer field um so so that was kind of kind of uh kind of my my moment to shine was getting to ask greg that question but in general um i think that uh, worth reporting is just the sense that uh greg will i'm okay with the greg choice and i didn't i went in neutral um but the moment that mattered the most to me was he was asked directly about the challenges he you know he's facing with the reception on twitter there's a lot of criticism for this choice and a lot of uh, you know you know how twitter can be um so there's a little bit of oh, a storm out there and he was asked follow us at wtp pod show what is twitter like we don't we want to know um he he addressed this question really well by saying, essentially, look, anyone who uh, who is voicing those opinions is entitled to those opinions. And it is my job as head coach to win you, the fans, over um, because you are the spine of our team. You are what make us tick. You are what makes this team matter. Mm. And my plan is to show you that uh, on the field, to answer all that criticism and all that uh, ill will maybe and some suspicions to to answer those and respond to those on the field with some product. So I was happy with that. And just the vibe I got, if those words are not convincing you, let me tell you, the guy's got a calm, cool demeanor and the vibe I got was was good. So I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. It's a very Jersey-like attitude. Absolutely. That's That's why they call it the show me state. Am I right? <laughs> All right, enough. <laughs> so I, I had a good time. I felt like I got to know Greg Berhalter just a little bit. 
Um, and that was that was great. It was enlightening. But I would like to know a little bit more about the context for someone like you, Ty, yeah, who's been who's yeah. been following the sport as closely as you do. Tell me, who is Greg Berhalter, and what does this mean as a, as a signing? Right, right. So there's kind of two angles on that. One is Greg Berhalter, the USM former USMNTer, has played in a World Cup uh, and has transitioned to a. Pretty successful coaching career, not extremely successful, especially in the playoffs, has, has kind of struggled at times, but usually his uh, Columbus teams have been kind of, um, you know, lower in the pecking order of those playoff teams. And he's been doing it with a pretty tight budget and, and uh, you know, limited um, attention and resources, obviously. Uh, so, you know, there, there could be a number of reasons behind that, but he's, he's known as among the top tier of the American MLS coaches, along with guys like uh, Jesse Marsh, who just moved on, and uh, Greg Vanny at Toronto, um, and Oscar Pereja, who just went to Cholos in Mexico. So there's there's been this generation of, of uh, young coaches coming through, well, youngish, I guess, young for coaches, um, the next generation of, of coaches who, who have a little bit more of that uh, direct national team experience. They have a little bit more of a player-centric mentality, more of a man-manager style, if you will. And, uh, and these, these are the coaches who have been you know, growing more and more in uh, success in MLS in recent years as MLS has evolved from being like, sort of like a weird extension of the American college game where you have these like old-school Ziggy Schmidt uh, and, and um, what's that dude, Shellis Heinemann at, at Dallas, who, who's the one who pissed off Bobby Warshaw so bad. Uh, you know, the, that kind of coach is kind of dying out. I think the, the, the um, authoritarian, you know, handle everything kind of guy. And it's, it's more about these coaches who can really connect with players and get the most out of players. And you saw that this year, particularly with someone like Jossie Zardes coming in, who uh, we, we, we know and love and understand the limitations of. <laughs> um, and, and for Burhalter to have got, I think they got 18 goals maybe out of Giassi's artists this year. Uh, that's no joke when you consider what we've seen, the, the whole, the, the shield your eyes moments that we've seen from Giassi in a U.S. kit. So, um, he's, he's clearly a, a coach who can get the best out of a, a wide range of players. Another highlight recently, obviously is, uh, Zach Steffen, who, came back uh, to, or I guess didn't really come back. I don't know if he was ever in the MLS system at all, uh, but he went straight to Europe after he was in college. And then when he came uh, back to the U.S., he, he joined up with Columbus, and it was a little bit unclear. His career seemed a little bit stalled out, and they've, they've taken that and turned it into, like, literal gold with, you know, a $10 million, seven, seven to seven or $8 million transfer to Man City that just got officialized. Is that official? That is a fish. So, bang, bang. so Zach Steffen is a Man City player as of now. He'll probably go out on loan, but, um, you know, quite, quite a return both for Steffen, you know, who is now kind of a presumptive US one or two, kind of 1.5 along with Horvath, um, and, and for Columbus. And he's had a lot of stories like that with, um, guys like, uh, um, uh, shoot, the the Costa Rican defender, I think it's Giancarlo Gonzalez, who uh, was at Columbus for a little while and got sold off to Europe. And he's had players who've come in that they've gotten a lot out of where these are really, you know, high quality players like uh, Pipa Higuain, who, um, brother brother of uh, the, the Higuain, uh, who... <laughs> 
came in as a relatively unheralded, you know, journeyman-style player and has turned into one of the more dangerous attacking threats in MLS in, in recent years. So he's he's got a pretty strong history of success uh, in this league, and I was calling for one of these guys to be hired uh, from this crop of, you know, newer uh, American MLS coaches because they lack the all-or-nothing ego of, you know, definitely of a foreign you know, hotshot foreign coach who would come in, but even of a someone like Ziggy Schmidt, I think, who I think is a fine coach in many regards, but like, like the the title that uh, Seattle won, you saw Ziggy Schmidt earlier on in the year, a more sort of um, a larger personality, somebody who controls more of more aspects of what goes on at the club, sort of start to fail at Seattle, and you saw Brian Schmetzer come in, who is t- a total players coach, you know, was a player for a long time. Um, understands the locker room and yeah, absolutely loves the Sounders. And he's just, he's just there to keep the Sounders moving. You know, he doesn't need it to be Brian Schmetzer's team. He's, he's there as a servant of the Sounders and that led to great success with them. And I think that kind of narrative is, is becoming more and more prevalent as the game has evolved. So that's what I'm looking for is somebody who's going to come in with little ego and just see themselves as a steward of the U S national team program going forward. And for us, you know, I think for whomever it is, whatever country it is, that's often the best choice. Um, you know, sometimes you need to shake things up and like uh, Goose Hitting is a really good example of where that can work really well, where your system has kind of stagnated a little bit and things aren't working and you need to shake things up. And I think Jurgen Klinsmann even did a lot of those things when he came in for his first tenure, which was a successful, um, successful, you know, three years. So, you know, for me, it was time to to come back to something simple and to somebody who would look at the U.S. as a system and not one team, you know, um, <clears throat> pardon me, someone who would look at the senior national team as the tip of an iceberg that needs to be, uh, needs to be cared for and kind of curated Absolutely. To, towards greater success in the future. And someone who so. does not see it as a stepping stone for their own career, right? So I'm Absolutely. sure yeah. Yeah. that it is the case that as as great as this is for Greg Berhalter's career, his number one objective is that this team does well. And I bet that if this – I don't know what the circumstances would be for this, but if somehow Greg came to the conclusion that it would be best for the team if he wasn't around, I bet he'd fall on that sword. I mean the guy really – really wants the best for this team and that's that that's the best we can hope for that's an interesting observation i think that's the kind of thing that you can only get from like proximity i guess so it's interesting that you might have picked up on that just like seeing the guy interact with with folks um because the last two guys we had are definitely not in that camp <laughs> yeah you don't know you didn't know that like factually until it started to happen but you just kind of know that personality wise that that you know both both coaches were very very um egocentric and both very sort of uh convinced in the validity of their own you know soccer worldview um to say the least so yeah i i just love that that we have somebody who seems like they'll be more of a servant for the program and less the less molding the program around them and their style um, and I think that's going to be really valuable, not to mention the fact that, you know, this is a business and 
USSF has a decent amount of money and makes a decent amount of money, but when you're spending five million dollars to pay Jurgen Klinsmann, I mean that that ties things up for other initiatives sure. or programs that you might want to do. It's budgeting, um, you know, that so. adds up. Every every bacon, egg, and cheese adds up. That's right. That's right. And that man ate a lot of them. So <laughs> I don't think Greg Berhalter eats a lot of bacon, egg, and cheese. I have to <laughs> He's say. a skinny he, he, dude. We might, have to, we might have to force a couple on him at some He's point. He's pretty here. fit. He's pretty yeah, fit. Yeah, I'm, played, I'm a little worried the, about him. At the him, event, they I played a hilarious say. clip of Greg Berhalter on the sidelines, like doing a sweet scorpion back heel to get the ball back in play. Nice, and, nice. Uh, I love that. I love when coaches show off the touch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was yeah, pretty funny. Yeah. He so, was like, I don't think yeah. I'm going to do that one again. I think I topped. I think I peaked nice, on nice. that. Yeah. Well, I think I think we ended up in a good place, personally. I get the criticism. You know, there were there was mention of guys like Julian Lopetegui. There was mention of guys like um, Tata Martino, who would be definitely, uh, in the abstract, I think, more... Maybe maybe more helpful in the X's and O's front, you know, bring, bring a certain amount of professionalism, a certain amount of like. Would it be that, fair that... to say that a coach like that would be uh, would be would get your vote for your club team, but not for your national team? That's not a bad way to think about it. Yeah, I think there's just so much less you can do with a club team with a national team because yeah. you see the players for two days at a time and. You know, you're you're only twenty percent of the games that they're going to play, or fifteen percent of the games that they're going to play. So they just can't dedicate the amount of time to like learning and f- processing your instructions as they can in in club level. So I think the um the I, I yeah the the system for me is settled. You know, I think the we've been playing really we've actually been doing fantastically well at playing the same system across the the various youth team levels, and that's come through in the last couple you know, much more successful sort of qualifying and, and tournament uh, uh, performances that we've seen for the 17s and the 20s in, in recent years since the 17s failed in Bobby Wood's year. I don't remember what that was. Um, it's not your it's fault, been, It's Bobby. been really good. And, the, you know, the U.S. The US came through uh, the, that U-20 uh, CONCACAF championship recently looking almost unbeatable. I mean, it, it, it felt like if we played that game against Mexico 10 times, we would have won seven or eight times. And that's just something you can't, you, you, you just never would have said, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And the consistency really matters. Um, and when, when those players are, you know, as, as in, uh, invested and as immersed in youth teams as U.S. youth internationals are, you know, uh, I think it's, it's incredibly valuable. And, and whenever, you know, whenever I've, I've had the chance to talk to players about that, I think they feel that sense of comfort in times of turmoil or times of great turnover that, they can come in and they can do the job that they were trained to do when they were 16 years old. And, and it's still going to, going to be the same job. They can do it a lot better. They can do it differently. They can add different things to it, but the, it's, it's something they, they get. It's sort of a part of their DNA at that point. Um, and this is the, the, the famous tab four, three, three that we're always going tab on ball. about that, that tab ball that, that has a lot of, um, you know, variations within it, but, but essentially, you uh, you just restrict the decision space about what you're going to be doing on the soccer field, um, and I think that's immensely valuable. So I, I want yeah, it's like who uh, it's like how Obama Obama said he always wore the same thing every day, precisely, right? So precisely. that he could make less decisions in the day. That's, that's right. That's, that's what right. we and need. There's, for there's these no players. doubt that Obama could have got you know maybe could have got an extra couple percentage out of some trade deal or something if he was wearing like a 
power suit or whatever that day. But it, and so it's it's not he's not optimizing in the individual moment. Like Steve Jobs, you know, famously is the same way, right? Um, these 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 guys definitely could have gotten a lot out of you know switching things up on different occasions, but they they chose the consistency because it, there's so much more traction to be gained in other areas. It's like that's that that uh, one thing in particular. If if um, if Burhalter is able to kind of stick to that four three three, which is what he's played throughout his tenure at Columbus, as far as I'm aware, um, then then I think we'll we'll benefit greatly just from the fact that that's not getting changed all the time, and we're not going into situations. Like, right. You know the the Mexico qualifier being a big, a bi- the both Mexico qualifiers being kind of examples of this, where it's like. You know, you roll the dice on when you make those choices, and sometimes it works, but but a lot of the time it, it doesn't. It's just really not worth it in the end. So yeah, um, don't don't so fuck let's around hope with for the Rubik's cube. Simplicity and an attention to to growing the program. We gonna be all right. Uh, I think it's gonna be just fine, but we'll see. I mean, we'll be the we'll be the first to jump off this wagon if it goes south. Um, and not not directionally in a map kind of a way. Just uh, <laughs> if, it, if it burns to the ground, we'll be we'll be complaining with it goes you. Goes into the East River. <laughs> but for now, we are I would say uh, cautiously optimistic. You know, I'll be watching this guy close. We're gonna see what he does. But it could have been a lot worse, baby. and I don't know that it could have been very much better. So although the process took a very long time, I'm sure you out there. Uh, have have gotten as frustrated as we did with how long that took. Yeah, that, admit. that is un, unexplained as of yet and is unforgivable. Yeah. So that that, but that's not on Burhalter. On Burhalter, that's on yeah. Stewart, right? Yeah. Um, so, so let's uh, let's take a moment to acknowledge some of the other things. That's a big one. I think it is good that we we spend a, spend a chunk of time on that. Yeah, yeah it's, that's yeah. a minor we've deal. Got, we've got the debut. The debut, I think, January twenty seventh. Uh, against Panama in Arizona, I think. No, San Jose. No, one of the games is in San Jose, somewhere out there. San Jose, and uh, so it's around there. You know, around the end of uh, January, we're going to get to see the the Burhalter experience. He's also said uh, that the January camp um, structure is going to be different in some way. So there will be surely lots to talk about come come January. Um, we shall find out. Join us for those. That those will be post peep. So uh, enjoy the peeps. It's yep. kind of a kind of that's sort of a metaphysical space we enter with the peeps, unrelated yeah. to the actual timeline uh, of the team chamber. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there will be games. In the meantime, there will be rastapods, reviews, and previews. In the meantime, we got some news. I hear a sound. What's that sound? Where's that sound coming from? Is it all around? What's that sound? Welcome to the Fishy Report. Welcome to the Fishy Report. Woo! Oh, I know what this sound is. I know what it is. It's time for a Fishy Report. It's time for a Fishy Report. It's everyone's favorite segment of this show. It's the segment of the show in which we report on our young players. Uh, You qualify as a Fishy if you could potentially play for a you-something team. For the Nats, that's what makes you a fishy. Ty, what's going that's on right. with our fishies out there in the world, in the big ocean? We've got ocean? a fat, fat fishy generation right now because of the Olympos, 2020 Ooh. Olympos, which uh, the qualifying tournament for that is next fall, and then the tournament will be the subsequent summer, obviously. 
And um, because of that, a number of players who are in, in their you know, 20, 20th year, 21st year, are going to be uh, still considered fishies at this point, which is unusual. So a lot of the time our fishies have to be younger. But in this case, our fishies contain such hits, comprise such hits as Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney. Bang, bang. Who are both going to be eligible for that Olympic team if the U.S. were to qualify. Um, and who faced each other in the I don't I don't know how the the pronunciation goes on this Rivier Derby something like that Schalke Rivier Derby Rivier Derby and uh, and it went intriguingly uniquely for Weston who was uh, who was stationed as a attacking second striker weird yeah so he was playing kind of like a nine and a half. Not, He's kind not of quite a Swiss a Army knife for that Schalke team. Yeah, he? yeah. He was he was playing second striker with uh, uh, Burgi. I forget the Bergstaller and Bergstaller. So the the Schalke is down to uh, one striker essentially, uh, and Bergstaller is a very good one. Um, he goes down with an injury. Haji Wright, who got to come in last week, by the way, I'll get to him. He's also out with an injury, so he's he's their maybe sixth choice. Striker, Did Haji Wright finally injury. make it to the? He, to made, the he started. He wow. started. So he they started always last did say they had a plan for him. I never believed them. I still don't believe them. We'll get to that. So Weston is playing second striker. Then Bergy goes down with an injury. So now they're now they're down their top six strikers, and they bring on the the left back Hosma Mendil to play kind of like a. He's also like a second striker, which meant that Weston was kind of the nine. So Weston has what now, at this point on? in Schalke's season, played. The, he's played the. He's played striker. He's played uh, playmaker. He's played regular midfield, uh, defensive midfield, and right back. So that's <laughs> that's range, Weston. And I gotta I gotta respect you. However, uh, Weston was was pretty anonymous on the day. Unfortunately, his. Uh, he didn't get a lot of chances to combine, obviously, when you have you know very little attacking threat overall. Schalke lucked their way into a penalty to make the game tight, but Dortmund were controlling it the whole way and, and, and won 2-1. Um, Pooley Baby was stuck behind Jacob Brun-Larsen, who is a mystery to me. Uh, he's just a total, total milk, milk toast, wet toast, 5 out of 10 all the time. Uh, yet, uh, Lucien Favre likes uh, him over Pulisic in a lot of cases. So Pulisic was on the bench, uh, came on for the last five, six minutes, I think, um, and didn't get to do a whole lot. So they, they it wasn't the, the clash of U.S. Titans that I was hoping for with Weston <laughs> out of position and Pulisic on the bench. But they did hit the field for this, for, you know, at the same time for a little while. Um, so that was exciting to for, you know, one of the most – like you know, one of one of the games you circle on the calendar for European football That's for right. the year. To I mean, have the, two the, Yanks. The last uh, was, was it? The special. last Riviera Derby was it two years ago? There was one of them that was four four, just yeah, just utterly right. yeah. insane. So I guess right, there's right. there's got to be a miss in there somewhere for for us. And in that yeah, one, Weston right. got a yellow. Had to be. I think Weston off. was off early. I, yeah, I think Weston went off at 0-4 in that game. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not good. Oh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so he's 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 a mystery, and uh, it, it's it's plausible that he kind of ends up anywhere along that continuum, you know. But so far, uh, that's the way that um, 
that Domenico Tedesco has been using him at, at Schalke is basically just to fill gaps when they appear. And I'm perfectly happy with that because he's been he's been playing whenever he's been fit. He's been playing and, and he's been uh, quite useful, definitely more useful in, in defense than attack. But if he can help uh, with a with a pressing game or something like that, I'm, yeah. I'm all for him. It sounds like know, a we like you situate like goals. like we like you, Ringo, and no one knows how to play drums. No one's on the drums. So you got that. Good way to put it. Good way to put it. So, um, yeah, so. That was uh, the the last match. I, I don't, I'm not sure how long it's been since we've had a, a fishy report, but Pulisic has been hurt. Uh, when he hasn't been hurt, he's been coming off the bench a little bit more. So he's uh, the, this last appearance was only his ninth of the season, which is pretty depressing. Four starts so far this season between injury and being on the bench. So uh, so not a great year so far. Some some statistical output. He's got a couple goals, a couple assists. Um, Dortmund has been doing so well. But for him, it's a little bit of a, a stuck situation, um, and it's unclear whether that's going to change if he reaches full fitness, if if he's really in Lucien Favre's plans, or if he's just kind of um, you know stalling out a little bit there. In the meantime, interest from uh, England continues to be hot with Chelsea, the latest suitor, allegedly. Uh, and it would actually be a really good time for them to get him because if he's not an integral part of the team at the moment, then they could get a little discount on that, you know, fifty or sixty million dollar transfer fee that that he would have gone for maybe last summer. So Do I think it. it's a, it's it's Do not it. the worst time because my argument is was always like, if you're comfortable at Dortmund, you're getting games at Dortmund. There's no you know no rush to leave that situation. But if it's not working with the coach. Um, then why not give it a shot? And if it doesn't work for a year or two, then you can move on and, and you know go somewhere safe. Um, but I think I, I feel like you know nine looking at nine appearances. Would he have gotten nine appearances for Chelsea or Liverpool? I I think so at this point in the yeah. season. So I think like the the uh, playing time argument is starting to lose out. You know for for Dortmund. So so it would not surprise me at all if he went. Uh, during the transfer window, and I think that would be totally fine. Uh, Weston is in a good place. He's in a good place. Josh Sargent, Joshy Poo himself, Ooh, is boy, also in a great place. After months of waiting, Sargent, hashtag Sargent Watch, uh, Josh Sargent <laughs> finally saw the field for Vida Bremen. And, and, and get this, like pulling the sword from the stone... <laughs> The young boy who would be king comes out onto the field in the 75th minute. In the 77th minute, he has still not touched the ball. Teammate hits a shot, ricochets off the goalkeeper, and it arcs just beautifully, just floats to Josh Sargent's fluffy little head. <laughs> it's so fluffy. And he, he just pokes the ball home with this... Sh- sheepish grin of how how nice it must be for the game to be so easy for him. So congratulations to Josh Sargent. One one game, one goal for Werder Bremen. Uh, and it's he... like the new Jedi movies where where that 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 uh, that chick like immediately knows. Yeah, how to yeah, use yeah. The force. She's like right, right, right. Exactly. The, the lightsaber be flying, and yeah, she doesn't even know what's happening. Right. Uh, and and yeah, so he's. I don't know if I've ever seen that happen where a player for, for the first touch in their senior career 
has so scored. Awesome. It's <laughs> it's wild, oh. and it's it's it, it just it just perpetuates this this like absurd reality that this kid is is so special. You know, he's a gold. He was the the golden boot in the U twenty World Cup at, at age sixteen or silver boot. At age sixteen, so it's, it's like so awesome. Well, and that was a squad he that he was like, like he, it. he joined yeah. late. He was like, had just come from yeah, the yeah, yeah. No, he was age appropriate for it. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so it's 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 perplexing in in some ways, but uh, he he's really freaking good, and he belongs at that level. So I think uh, you know we'll we'll certainly take a lucky goal uh, as we did with Timothy Wea earlier this year. Well, and, and you got to just think how many else. how many of our prospects would have skied that or just, you know, flubbed Josie. it. How, not even just our prospects. Yeah, how many of our Josie. stars missed that opportunity? Bobby and the kid's Wood. ice cold. So first of all, the, the, you call it a lucky goal. It's one touch. Yeah, it is a little bit lucky. But first of all, the kid's got to get to himself to the right place, shoves off, probably has to shove. I did not watch this. I've only heard about it from Ty, but it's amazing. Probably has to shove off a defender at some point to make some space and then has to not miss. And that's... It's not necessarily a difficult goal to finish, but it's it's also equally as easy to miss that chance and just think, wow, what if I almost scored, you know? And then you go, sure, sure. then you're waiting, then it's minutes and more minutes and more minutes and you're waiting on his first goal. Now he can go out, just have fun, enjoy himself, and if he scores, he scores next time he gets minutes. I think it's right. so awesome yeah, for his absolutely. psychology absolutely. and it's well-earned too. This goal is, is yeah. a well-earned thing. People people do forget that being in the right place is a skill, you know. So so seeing seeing the opportunity unfold. Talk to Berbatov, man. Absolutely, that that dude made a career out of just being in the right place. I yeah. love that guy. Well, it it always reminds me of uh, of of Clinton, of of Dempsey because he's <laughs> Bill Bill <laughs> Bill <laughs> always in the right place. That dude famously famously in the uh, right place at the right time. Not him. Uh, Clint Dempsey, he he, just, uh, what would you say, half his ugly goals, goals maybe? Or just ugly like, goals. yeah, ugly, little scrappy, like the goal he scored against Spain where it's like, yeah, you didn't really have to do a whole lot, but the fact that you decided to stand there is unusual. Yeah. And the fact that you managed to get there without a defender on you is also unusual. So uh, to, to stretch the credit for the tap-in as far as we possibly can, great <laughs> tap-in, Josh. <laughs> and here's to many Joshua. more. Um, and I'll briefly, We're so proud of you. I'll briefly mention uh, Timothy Wea continues to not get any game time at all, so it looks like a loan is quite likely there. Matt Miazga is in complete exile at Nantes, so that looks like that'll end, and he'll probably end up somewhere else. Um, Eric Palmer-Brown has been playing in the, the... I think he's in the second division in the Netherlands. Um, uh, but, you know, he's been starting and playing, which is all you can ask at this point. And then, so hopefully he can he can move up a level next year. Um, uh, CCV, I think has been mostly on the bench or not in the squad lately. So that kind of, that second loan year doesn't seem to be working out so well. I guess it's the third loan year at this point. Um, and that's, that's a situation where he, he just needs to go somewhere that owns him that will really want to invest in his future because bouncing around between all these like lower tier clubs that don't really care about his future Especially it's for defenders, no club wants yeah, to bring yeah. in a defender for just a year unless you're at a you're way right. outsized for that club. Right, right. Uh, and I'll swing back around, loop it all the way around to Haji Wright, who many listeners might not even be familiar with, but 
got Bundesliga minutes before Josh Sargent. Haji Wright was a former sort of Cadillac youth team striker for the U.S. in the Christian Pulisic era, you know, so he, he was usually on those same teams that, that Pulisic was on. Um, and he was, he, you know, scored tons and tons of goals, but the question with him was, can he translate it to senior level? Or is it the case where he just kind of got big, you know, before other kids and, you know, was able to exploit certain, certain like raw attributes that, that are more pronounced at, uh, youth team level, you know, like these, these quarterbacks in, uh, college football who throw for, you know, 8,000 yards a game and then can't, can't complete a pass in the NFL. Like, is he going to be one of those guys? Um, and you know, he's, he's had limited it's over 9,000, over 9,000. He's had limited, uh, chances at senior level, but he was at Sandhausen last year in the two Bundesliga and he scored, I think one goal in 16 games, something like that. He scored in his first game and then just didn't score the rest of the year. So it was really bad. Uh, really didn't work out. But he has been scoring and doing well for um, the Schalke reserve team, which I think is in the fourth division. So he's clearly good enough for the fourth division. Probably not the second, and it's not looking like the first. He got a, a substitute appearance for shorthanded Schalke uh, three games ago, and then uh, two games ago got to start, and he played 60 relatively anonymous uh, minutes. So looks like it's still a little bit too soon, but because he does have this chance with all the strikers hurt, I mean, I, I hope he just continues to get chances because they just don't have anybody else. And, you know, that can only help. So whether, whether it's, uh, maybe he finds, you know, figures some stuff out and, and ends up being more successful or he learns some lessons that he can then take to his, you know, to his learning and training at, at lower level. Um, you know, it can't, can't hurt. It can't hurt to be, uh, hanging out with Domenico Tedesco every day either. That that guy can definitely coach him up. So, um, yeah, exciting times. Haji Wright and Josh Sargent and Weston and Pulisic and then Tyler Adams, all young fishies in the Bundesliga this year. It's it's fantastic. It's really happening. It feels like the tide is shifting. It's incredible that Cameron last. Carter Vickers is, like, still in this list of people. We've been – it's. It's been ta- remember yeah. we started talking about Cameron Carter Vickers and Gideon Zalalem at the same time. Oh, absolutely. It was absolutely. Like, he, it yeah. was like early pod. He's like Cameron CCV is one of the first like fishies on the show. He he might be the first <laughs> and he's fishy. Still, he Never is know. still yeah. like going strong. His time is limited in this class, but you know. Anyways, it's a good time. Uh thank you, Ty, for having your ears and eyes out there. Um all the time and just keeping your fishy radar strong because we need you. We need you. Folks, don't forget five stars on iTunes if you're listening on there. We love that. And you might just end up on the show. We're going to have to start working on uh, maybe uh, getting Greg Berhalter on here, see what we can do about that. Or just keep Jurgen around, whatever. Whatever works for, for the moment <laughs> is just fine. Yeah, I'll have to work on my, my, my Berhalter. <laughs> Jersey, yeah. just just <laughs> random Jersey guy accent. Yeah, uh, yeah, soprano-ish. Yeah, folks, I absolutely love typing in all lowercase letters because screw the rule book. And if it's a good paper, you can't not at least give me a B. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's some John Cage shit. Yeah, we love that. Uh, I like hang drying anything and all things. I mean, machine drying scares me. I should have said I don't like (laughs) machine drying. It's terrifying. Uh, It's it's the worst. First, they dry our clothes. 
then they become our masters. You know? <laughs> Where does it end? Where does it end? And I like any and I like those square scan thingies that can take you to any link. You know what are those called? Is there a name for those, Ty? Web guy? The square, Ooh. the squares. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I have no idea. I'm it's sorry. the little, it's the square grids with black and white uh, markings. It's like a square version of a barcode. Oh, QR codes. There you go. Oh, that, there's, that, a word. there's a word. For them, it. them shits is bomb. I QR love codes are the best. They're the best. They're the yeah. fucking best. Take you anywhere. But eh, eh, eh. oh, by the way, stay tuned eh. uh, for <laughs> clips from Daniel, my new friend, and Will Trappington, my forever friend. But I just don't love any. I don't love any of those things. I don't love those audio clips. I don't love QR codes, and I don't love drawing things by hand as much as I absolutely love the Nats, the Nattingtons. Let's go, boys! New era. It's Greg's it's team now. <laughs> Here's the keys, bruh. <laughs> Bring it back in one piece. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. Let us begin with Will Trap. Hey, I'm here with Will Trap. Uh, just wondering, well, what's the weirdest possible thing that has ever happened to you on the soccer field? Wow, this is a, it's a tough question. Um, I have to I have to think about it a little bit, but I would say the weirdest thing that happened. First to thing me. that comes to mind: training. Training applies here. Oh my gosh. Uh, weirdest thing that ever happened to me was, oh my gosh, we were in Belgium this past game against Italy, I swear to God, bomb goes off, it sounded like a bomb, the stewards of the, of the, of the stadium in Gank didn't move a muscle, three fans run onto the field, three fans run onto the field, stewards continue to sit there, meanwhile we're on the bench, Panicking like there's like like there's a bomb that just went off. I swear to yeah. God. So and what's your first thought? Are you like I I'm like get yo? Out we here. Need to, like there was like a hesitation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Matt Miazga's right next to me. We're both kind of like yeah. uh, no no reaction whatsoever. Never seen anything like it before my entire life. All right, thank you so Cheers, much, bro. Will. Take thank care. you for everything you're doing. Absolutely, for sure. Next up, a fan interview. With new friend, Daniel. Alright, so I'm talking to the homie Daniel, a true official USMNT fan. We've just been chopping it up and eating tiny pieces of grilled cheese, uh, having a good time. Uh, so I'm just wondering, like, what kind of got you into soccer in general? Sure. Uh, so my parents are uh, from the former Soviet Union, and uh, I, I kind of, like, liked it. Like... I remember I was in, weirdly, I was in, I think, Japan for the 2002 World Cup, and I kind of watched it on and off. And for whatever reason, the 2010 World Cup was the first World Cup that I was, like, really, really watching it. Uh, I also... Yeah, you can take it. Thank you. I also... Uh, Got FIFA, I think, that year. Which FIFA. Amazing. Yeah, FIFA created a lot of uh, soccer fans, I think, in the country. So you're an actor as well. I am an actor, uh, yeah. How do you? How do those two lives interact for you, the creative life and the soccer life? It's a good question. You know, you'd think, well, 
I think, like, if there was a sport that actors would like, I actually do feel like it would be soccer in the sense yeah. there's, like, so much drama. There's, uh, like... There's like a lot of acting, I feel like, in soccer sometimes. Yeah. A lot of characters. <laughs> lot of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot man. of characters. Sweet haircuts. Exactly. And in, in, in America, too, it's like, but kind of like not the mainstream sport. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's alternative. But it's alternative. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I, I Like, at this, at this point, I have like a routine, I feel like, in Chicago where... I go to the Globe, which is an awesome pub. Daniel's from Chicago, from, from Chicago, yeah, Chicago by the way. Yeah. yeah. I go to the Globe. I watch Premier League on Saturdays, usually Saturdays, sometimes Sundays. And if I have rehearsal, I go to rehearsal on Saturdays. And then if I'm in a show on Saturday, like at night, I go to the show. So it's just like right. it's clockwork at this point. But, integrated. Uh, what? Yeah. It's all integrated. It's all integrated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what are we going to do about the Chicago fire? That's a good question. <laughs> Get them the hell out of Bridgeview. Bridgeview's low. All right, man. So, appreciate all right, that thank so much. you. Thank you.